Don't get lost in the vast expanse of the internet? Try Ventoff SEO Manager instead, the Shopify app that store owners use to optimize their search engine results. Ventoff SEO Manager is your SEO toolkit. You'll be king of the hill, top of the heap, cream of the crop, so why settle for page 10? Simply put, SEO Manager allows you to change the way search engines see and list your store. Better search rankings means more customers, which means more money for you. Try Ventoff SEO today and get found. Just search SEO Manager in the Shopify App Store to get started. In the past on the show, a common refrain, and certainly one of my favorites, has been people buy from people, not brands. And my example is with huge multinational conglomerate corporations. Why do they bother hiring very expensive celebrity spokespeople? Because you need a face to the brand, and it isn't always necessarily going to work to be the founder when you're, say, Target or Apple. But as a small entrepreneur, solo freelancer, whatever you want to call it, you have a great advantage in that you can adopt personal branding. But it's scary, right? I get it. We've all heard that anecdote that the number two fear in America is death, and the number one fear is public speaking. Public speaking outranks death. I heard this in high school. I heard it in college. Seinfeld does a bit about it. It's a common refrain. If you think of personal branding and the internet as a form of public speaking, we understand why this is so intimidating for a lot of people. And so I've got someone here who's going to walk us through personal branding. We're going to discuss personal branding for entrepreneurs. And our expert today is Sigate Zitikite, a personal brand and business coach who believes that being multi-passionate is your superpower. She's been doing this for a decade. She helps mission-driven companies, including Shopify, expand their reach through partnerships and community. And with the rise of personal brand businesses... She's now on a mission to empower ambitious professionals and entrepreneurs to stake a claim in the online world. That's you, my friends. That's who I'm talking about, dear listener. You, you can do this. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Sigute, welcome. Thank you. You were, you're a personal brand coach. You're previously at Shopify. That's kind of interesting. <sighs> The question I often pose to people who are subject matter experts up front, why the heck should we listen to you? Like, what, what business do you have to tell me how to go about my personal branding? So you're right. I was at Shopify. I was at Mindvalley before. And my role in both of those companies was working in partnerships. And you might be wondering, what the heck does that have to do with personal branding? But if you think about it, building partnerships, you are putting trust in other people. You're bringing, you're finding people and then you're bringing them onto your platform, right? I mean, Kurt, when I joined Shopify, you are pretty much in the onboarding documentation. It's, it's, you know, there's Kurt Elster and his amazing podcast, right? I quickly learned about you and that just speaks to <laughs> how amazing you are at building your brand. Uh, but all that to say, I got this outside view of who are these people? What are they doing to stand out, to get our attention on the inside? to build these partnerships, right? And that's, if you think about what personal branding is, is kind of an invitation for people to invite you, give you opportunities to have deeper conversations with you. Uh, I know for myself as an introvert who, you know, there's certain conversations I love having, but maybe I'm not going to be the one to bring them up. My personal brand is the thing that kind of 
leads me to the people, right? They can see the the topics and the things that I'm passionate about. Um, so I saw all that in that world. And then I transitioned out from those companies to build my own brand and I have my own newsletter. And through that, kind of this next iteration of my career blossomed. And I call that, you know, a personal brand based business, which consultants, freelancers, anything that is based off of your expertise. And I find that that transition is often the hardest for professionals because we've been used to having, you know, like I always joke, having the the, the company name tattooed on your forehead, right? I was always a representative of Shopify. So if I was getting on a podcast call like this, talking about e-commerce, I could have all the confidence in the world. And then you get on a podcast like this and you're talking about yourself and your mission and your own business. And it's like, ooh, you freeze up. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from uh, building their personal brands, even though we know and understand the value of brands for businesses. And so, yeah, now I'm a coach, uh, personal brand and business coach. And so I am here to share all the goody, juicy stuff that I hear from people who want to build personal brands and uh, kind of the resistance that they face. So you spent 10 years on the other side of this. You were developing partnerships. And so you're looking for individuals, for people. And I mean, like the, the way you do that is, is through, I assume, social media, through word of mouth would be like the two ways. And you're able to uncover um, partners, influencers, people who you have to, through the lens of the internet, figure out, is should I work with this person? And are they going to be an asset or liability? Is That's what it sounds like. Am I right? That's the key word is asset or liability. And also, how is that working relationship going to be like? If I find somebody to bring them on into, you know, so we can put them on our platforms, whether it's on stages or podcasts or just doing collaborations, you know, are my teammates going to hate me for bringing someone who is, as Shopify would say, don't be an asshole, (laughs) (laughs) right? So you want to make sure that there's that cultural fit and you know, we resonate and they have a good mission and they're an asset and trustworthy. Um, And one thing, because you mentioned it, you know, I was doing this for 10 years. So you can imagine how social media and that world has shifted over 10 years, right? Instagram didn't exist, then it existed. Now TikTok has come on before it didn't exist. So when I look back over those 10 years, there are some basics that prevail, right? A strong website presence or people, especially if they have some kind of newsletter or email list, like that is something that you can see that longevity and that commitment. It's have, have I heard their voice, right? That's a huge one is have I heard them on a podcast or on a stage to just hear what are they like when they're speaking, right? And is it even them coming up with these ideas? It is someone they hired, you know, a copywriter that's doing their work for them. Uh, so kind of seeing them in action is really, really important. So any kind of um, even real life stage talks that you can film and put up online is valuable. And then social is great, but uh, comes in, comes and goes. Different ones are popular at different times. And also uh, you can buy followers, right? Sometimes you have to look at what are the actual comments in there what are the actual conversations happening not just the number on the screen so it's 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 a science and an art and all of these things combined so a little bit like um influencer marketing or like collabs what was the thing influ- we rebranded influencers what other we call them now it's something other than influencer I forgot what it was all the different words oh creator creator yes there we go I want to develop my personal brand. 
I'm willing to be uncomfortable with putting myself out there. Like, that's the thing that's scary is because you are defining this is what I'm who I am. This is what I'm putting my putting myself out there as. So what if I fail at that? Right. And the answer is you switch it up, you change. And if you failed, it means no one was paying that much attention to begin with. So no one's going to remember. Right. Like there's always that stuff that pops in your head like, oh, I wish I had said that one weird thing eight years ago that like no one laughed at that joke on the elevator. Guess what? Nobody but you remembers that. And I think there's developing that personal branding. Like that's the thing you have to remember. And the thing, um, well, that's the thing that I go back to anyway. But so what's step one here? I love that you said that. Step one is understanding that you will have that fear. And that nothing has gone wrong. And that doesn't mean that you are not smart enough or ready to have a personal brand. Right. And I think back back when, right, we had a very sort of small box of who could have a personal brand. You had to look a certain way. You had to probably be extroverted back in the day, have a certain way of speaking and showing up. And you had to have a billion dollar business before you were allowed to speak. And now it's completely shifted, right? Like what, what Shopify has done, let's think about it, is allowed anybody to start a business to get into e-commerce, right? You didn't have to go through these selected channels. You can start it yourself. And so, of course, personal branding follows that. Now, everybody should be speaking and can be speaking and can be, you know, selling a product and then talking about how they started that product or offering a service and being able to build a personal brand personal brand around it. So I think it's just in your head, taking that fear away of, I have to be someone before I can do it versus let's, you know, Shopify spreads entrepreneurship. Let's spread personal branding to everyone because we are in a position where we can all be uh, leaders like that. So that's definitely the first one is embracing that. And, and step two is then start getting that inner clarity of who are you? And I would actually say, so when I work with my clients, we have the first phase, which is clarity. The second one is then when we start to package up, okay, so this is who you are. Now, why are you doing what you're doing, right? So that's conventionally caused your, called the positioning and messaging of, of your business. And then in the third step, it's looking at, okay, which social channels make the most sense? Which online platform makes the most sense, right? Let's bring it out into the real world. So the first phase is that clarity of, who are your people and what are your values? I think your core values would be a really great place to start. All right. So step one is first, just get out of the way the fact that we have to make a habit of making ourselves uncomfortable, right? It is okay to feel a little bit of that stress and fear if it's you pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, I was never, certainly I was never in the, the armed forces, but in the military they say, embrace the suck, meaning you are going to accept that what you're doing, what you may be doing is not fun, makes you uncomfortable, is awful. And you're just going to own that. Just accept it up front. Then we're not complaining about it and move past it. And when things work out, you'll discover, oh, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so scary in this case. And so, all right, we get that out of the way. And really, it's like, give yourself permission is what's going on here. Easier said than done, certainly. And then we need clarity. And it sounds like this is where we're defining, we're trying to find um, our positioning, which is so hard. Like what I provide, you know, I'm going to offer X for Y audience, you know, to help them achieve Z is tends to be, or like, you know, I 
I'm going to do that. And then unlike competitors, this is how I'm approaching it differently. Like one of those, those positioning statement, fill in the blank ad lib phrases. Is that the way you go about it? Like it's early on. It's so open-ended. I think that, that that's a lot of the difficulty. Yes. And it's such a work in progress. So you can have that ad lib, you know, I help so-and-so to do so-and-so and I'm different because so-and-so, right? But just know that for that first year, even, this is going to be something you'll be coming back to and tweaking, right? And it's the same. There's so many parallels with you're starting a business. You're going to put something out there, test it with the market, see how they react. And what I often find is the, the thing that we lead with, you know, the first phrase that we put into that ad libs is uh, very surface level. And it's very kind of the thing that comes from the tip of our uh, thoughts. And, and then as you speak to people, they kind of mirror back things to you that you're like, oh, is, oh, really? Is, is, that, is that the help you want? Or is that how much deeper we can go? Or I didn't even notice that I was, you know, helping you in this way, but calling it something else. So definitely that market fit. Hugely beneficial to get out of your own head by having a discussion with someone else. And it sounds like in this case, we want to talk to our target audience. I remember year, this had to be 10 years ago. I emailed my newsletter, my list of less than a thousand people, probably less than 800 people. And was like, as someone challenged me to ask, you know, what am I good at of people who, who read my writing, who read my newsletter? And I did it, you know, and like you know, 15 people reply, which is extraordinary, you know, for replies on a newsletter. Um, and they were like, oh, you're really good at, at taking complex topics and making it sound easy or simple. I had no idea. I really didn't. And like, But when you see you know, a bunch of strangers consistently telling you the same thing, you okay, now that becomes part of your identity. If you were just in your head or like bouncing it off someone who knows you really closely, they may not necessarily give you that same impression. And so talking to the target audience, big deal, big hack but nobody wants to do it, right? I didn't even want to pick up the phone. I cheated. I sent it via email. But that's the best way to start, right? And what you were saying at the beginning is you're you're like, oh my God, what's that thing I said eight years ago on stage that was so stupid and I'm so embarrassed. Sometimes writing is actually the best way to start, right? So forget launching your personal brand on a podcast overnight. Maybe start you know, writing some articles on LinkedIn. Maybe just make some posts here and there get things through words, build your kind of confidence, get that feedback, and then allow yourself to grow. So even though it feels, you know, like you chickened out, hey, embrace that. It got you started. Look where you're at. Ah! Oh, I'm so tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences. Mm. Hey, did you know anonymous shoppers who visit your store can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? <gasps> Pop quiz, my friends. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and Blendjet all have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim that lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. And if you're not doing it, you're just leaving money on the table. With retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. Tonal, we 10xing our list, okay? Like 10x. Onboarding is quick and easy, and implementation takes just hours, not months. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. Retention.com.
yeah, I think there's advantage to just intentionally seeking out, like, don't get caught up in the medium. You know, there's a lot of, like, it's like, well, everything's portrait video this year. That's the thing I've been yelling for a year. Everything's got to be portrait video. Well, what if you're bad at it? What if you don't like it? What if you're not ready for that? Okay, start somewhere. Start where you're comfortable. For me, I don't particularly love writing. It feels like homework. And yet, that's where I started because I was not ready yet to do, like, podcast monologues, which are really, for me, I find very difficult. Um, you know, ask a guy with a stutter to go face, do a, like, face-to-camera monologue. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And so starting with where you're comfortable and then when you get good at that, then branching out from there. Ah, okay, life gets easier. So yeah, we want to make a habit of making ourselves uncomfortable. We also don't want to intentionally make it really difficult on ourselves. And so, all right, I'm going to give myself permission to embrace the suck. I'm going to uh, try, figure out an early positioning statement of like who I am, what I'm offering, who it's for, knowing full well, I'm going to change it. Like I remember figuring out our positioning statement and it was like every week I tweak that thing and it was months to years before I really was like, this is it. This is, we're just going to go with this. And now it's been unchanged for like seven or eight years. You know, and even now, maybe I'll revisit it. But all right, so we get there and now we're going to find where are we comfortable? Where can we start promoting ourselves, creating content? Now, one thing you said, I brought up email list. I had an email list. I still have an email list. I write every week for it. You brought up email list and you said strong website. Those are not social media items. What? I, I thought, excuse, Sigate, I thought email was dead. Email is not dead. Here's the thing. If you look at these big personal brands, they have everything under the sun. They've got their website. They've got their emails. They've got their social. They've got, you know, portrait on Instagram. Uh, they got TikToks. They got reels. They have everything. And what else they have is a team of 20 people managing those things. Oh, it's true. Boom. The secret's out. So just to break shatter, you know, spoil that Santa Claus, you know, secret is that these teams create it. And even if somebody has a multi seven figure business and has hundreds of thousands of followers, they also might not like reels. And so they hire someone to create their reels for them. And so if you're somebody who's like, I feel awkward and I don't want to do it, um, <clears throat> maybe take that shame off of yourself that. You can try it, but just know that you, you shouldn't be and you can't be on every single channel doing everything because then guess what? You're not serving your clients on the, the back end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it really like with um, with contractors, with with the gig economy, it does not take long. It's not a, terror, a huge hurdle to pretty quickly being able to hire out for like a few things you don't like doing. Like we have to get our podcast transcribed. It is the the right and smart thing to do. So that was like, that was one of the first things we outsourced. Ah, okay. If I can get transcriptions of a podcast made, can I hire a copy editor? Cop copy editor? I could find writer and editor. <laughs> it's a new, that's a new <laughs> position. The, someone who just writes copy for Reddit. Um, no, I hired a, a copywriter who can then take that transcript and ah, start forming that into blog posts and uh, newsletters or we could use that as like part of a welcome series or, or tweets. Okay, if I could get good at a podcast and doing interviews and I've got these transcripts and I've got these posts going, can I add video to that? Well, I don't know, but I like to fiddle. And so I bought a book called How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck. And then I went and we started doing adding video. Oh my God. Okay. So on day one, when I started this, the idea of doing any of those things and being successful at it, doing them was terrifying. The idea of being successful where people would actually pay attention to it, somehow that was even worse. And yet, you know, you're not going to go, there is no such thing as overnight success. 
I think my wife said, Hey, you got to shout to the void for six months before one person will pay attention. Um, and I have found that to be true. And so, all right, it, we're stacking the bricks. We're starting slow. We're building this. It takes time. How long does it take time to see success? Like when should I go, when should I pack it in? When should I keep going? So when I work with my clients, they come in and oftentimes they don't even know what that business is that they want to launch or what the purpose of their personal brand is, right? And we work for three months together and often by month two or three, they, it's not that they discover what they want to do, but it's almost like we've peeled away that fear and intimidation of kind of getting to the root of what is their desire? What do they actually want to create? And so using that as a very small data piece, an example is sometimes people can come on day one. All they know is they want to do something else and build, you know, a new career or business for themselves. And three months later, we realize that they already knew on day one what they wanted. And it was just a matter of showing up and speaking and getting sort of the dust out first. So then the real juice can flow uh, and then they can launch Often for me, it's service-based, right? So it's consulting or freelancing business within those three months. And so that just shows you in those three months, what you, what you realize is you already have a network that you can tap into. So for the first few uh, opportunities or sales, you need to think about how can I connect with the people in my audience that are already resonant to what I have. And once you've done that, then we can think about, you know, let's get new people into our ecosystem, uh, but don't don't overlook who you already have around you. Your first ten sales will be somebody who's already uh, who already knows you in some capacity. I think so. If we are pairing, I'm starting my personal brand with also I'm starting my my e-commerce entrepreneurial business, and that could be info products. You know, that could be print on demand. There's a lot of things here. There, I think there's an even if you don't have that, I think there's an advantage to start with the personal brand. To A, figure those things out because it, it's lower stakes than buying and developing product. Um, and I think it, it gives you an inherent advantage. It's easier to connect as a person. You have existing network almost definitely, like a few people may not. Um, and you you have that that safe space to explore and build an audience, which then enables you the greater success later. Okay, if I'm building this personal brand, do I have to have a niche? or niche, as they say in the rest of the world? Well, it's funny you ask. Uh, you do and you don't. And I think I want to start with the fact that I think what a niche has become, this gargantuan thing that we're intimidated by, is not probably anymore what an actual niche is. And what I mean by that is, if you're still building a niche saying, you know, it's women aged 25 to 35 who live in Canada and who eat ice cream every night, that's probably a little bit of, I'll call it an outdated definition of niche. And that's the thing that's probably tripping you up. And the new way to think about your niche, and I, I for that reason, I almost avoid that word. I think about it, who are your soul people, right? And then you start thinking, okay, these are maybe they're deep thinkers or they are, you know, family's really important to them. And these are people that I can invite over for a glass of, wine and charcuterie and, you know, we're relaxed and you start to really think about how would your relationship with these people look? How would you hang out with them? And if you think about it that way, then there's so much more depth to it. Right. And, and this really goes back to also 
brand archetypes, which I love. And that's a whole, you know, topic on its own, but finding that journey that we're all on, right? Because we are all on one of nine or however many archetypes. And are you on the explorer journey, right? And I think, Kurt, we might relate on this of like wanting that independence and wanting to be on that journey and on that adventure and creating this financial independence for ourselves and building careers that suit that for us, right? And so those are probably the type of people you're going to start attracting, but that doesn't mean they have to be male or female. It doesn't mean they have to be a certain age. Uh, So I would just kind of update what we think a niche is and not limit ourselves. So instead of thinking about it as like demographics, customer segments, personas, I'm going to think about it more as authentic relationships that like makes, you know, obviously that makes sense to leverage professionally, but you're going to look at, like you're, li- you're a little bit limited almost in a good way to you, who you are and getting that out there and finding the people that will connect with you on that, on like whatever specific topic. Oh, I think that's the magic and putting yourself out there is obviously like, that's the hard part and scary. But once you do, you know, not everyone is going to like you. And that's kind of the point. Like you want to find the people who do, and that's who we care about. And so you got to put yourself out there so that that is obvious so that they can find you. And now we're getting somewhere. And so we start to build this like one to many relationship. It feels authentic and sincere because it is, it's coming from a real place. Now what? Now what? Now you've connected and you're you're getting feedback and data, right? And I hate to use those words because it sounds so, you know, corporate, but you're building those relationships. You're having these deeper conversations. And this is where, you know, I think we have to forget about being a business owner and being separate from quote unquote, the others, right? We're all here to live lives that we love and do cool things with cool people. And that's what starting a business is. And you know, the term business owner and employee, it's so, or, or customer or whatnot, right? They're so, they almost segregate one from the other. But at the end of the day, we're all equal and your employees can be your friends, your customers can be your friends, not literally, but I mean, you want to help them and you want to conversate with them and see what they like and what's working for them. And it's this kind of symbiotic mutual relationship. And I think that's the goal of personal branding is connecting these maybe, you know, one to many, right? Maybe it's not you're DMing every customer, but just how you're showing up, the conversations that you're having, maybe these customers of yours aren't having these conversations with anyone else, right? And so that's why they come to you for that. And it's just this deeper connection and uh, and just to think about it that way and sort of forget the fact that it's, oh, I have to get these many numbers. I have to trick these many people into buying my product. It's it's completely the opposite. It's building this community that are on this sort of mission together for whatever that mission is, right? Or independence or, uh, or whatever that is for you. And so it's just, it's thinking about it that way, I think is really helpful and takes the intimidation out of it and just brings the love and the service out instead. The, oh, that reminds me of, uh, Ezra Firestone, Smart Marketer, that great tagline. They say, serve the world unselfishly and profit. And that is a similar sentiment to what you're suggesting is, hey, you want to, you know, eventually this will develop into you have a community of like-minded people with a common goal in mind. Ah, now we're on the same team. 
and things really start to snowball at that point. That's like, that's where you want to go. But once you're there, I wouldn't, you're, I love your point about not obsessing over the numbers. Like, cause you could get there, be successful, you know, and have a thousand people on your email list. But what if there are a thousand true fans? That is absolutely a business that can result in financial independence. But if you're like beating yourself up, you know, cause you're like, well, I think it's a 10,000. Who cares? Like you're, you're there slow and steady wins the race. Um, but it's easy to, to lose sight of that. And so it's an important to remind yourself. I love Seth Godin, what he, you know, often says, he's like, okay, if your goal is 10,000 members, then let me just buy 10,000 bots for you. Is that, are you happy now? Did you get what you wanted? Or did you want something behind that? And it's exploring, okay, I need to, you know, connect deeper. I need to not be afraid to reach out and have those conversations. So it's, it's more than the numbers. 1,002. Resolutions are hard. Try something easy instead, like growing your Shopify store with one-click upsell. Zipify one-click upsell, aka Zipify OCU, can increase your Shopify revenue 10 to 15% overnight. One-click upsell has made its users an extra 393 million in sales. It's no wonder it's trusted by over 12,000 Shopify merchants. One-click upsell helps boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To make this an even happier new year, go to zipify.com slash Kurt and start your 30-day free trial. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Now, I think what's interesting here is this has all been, I won't say philosophical, um, it's all been soft skills. We have not, you haven't been like, here's the tool you want to use. Like, you got to get hype fury and you need to post on Twitter 57 times a minute. Like, that has not happened here. And so I think it's interesting that the the personal branding coach is not caught up in like, well, this is the social network. This is the social media you have to be. And like, this is the right way to post. And this is the medium in the channel. Oh, my God. hundred percent. You know, I can share my own. Uh, here I am talking about having a purpose. And let me share mine. Mine is to help people kind of become authorities of their own life. Right. And so why would I come here and tell you this is the right way to be and the wrong way to be if I want you to build authority in yourself and build that trust in who are your people? I don't know who your people are. You know who they are and you know where they are and you know how you want to connect with them, right? I'm sure, Kurt, you have podcasts that you listen to and then maybe podcasts that I listen to and we might have some overlaps, but we also might have differences. You might like someone who talks this way or I might like someone who you know, cracks jokes, or I'm sure you like that too. (laughs) But the thing is, look at who you're attracted to, look at what kind of information you like consuming. And then that's a hint of what you like, right? And how you should be showing up. And so that's becoming an authority of, hey, if I like funny podcasts, maybe it's okay for me to be funny, even though someone else is telling me, you know, give the how to's, give the information, follow the SEO, that works for them. And they're an authority in their own path to doing that. So I think it's just important to, uh, of course, know what's out there. Do, you know, explore, see what other people are doing, what you like, what you don't. Uh, but the whole thing is, is as a personal brand, you want to be 
your own person, right? And so only you kind of know how to show up and only you know what platforms you like. And right, like I love LinkedIn, but a lot of people don't like LinkedIn or they prefer Instagram, right? So it's it's knowing all of that. So uh, no tactics for me, but I'll always happy to chit chat when uh, tactics come up. The strategic advice here is, you know, go with what you know, because you're, you're attempting to find like-minded individuals and you want to be authentic. And so the moment you're doing something that like you don't, you would not personally consume, you wouldn't personally enjoy, that may come across as inauthentic, right? And you're not going to like what you do or necessarily be proud of it. And so I think that there is tremendous power in that advice. Now, it's not a free pass to be like, well, I don't like anything, so I didn't do anything and now I'm not successful. Like, you still have to put in the work, right? Show it where you spend your time and resources is where you're going to see results. But you shouldn't be doing it in ways that don't feel right to you. Is That's what I've, I've taken away. Exactly. And your, you know, the channels that you use is part of your personal brand. So when I have clients come up and say, oh, I really don't like reels on Instagram. Then I ask them, okay, well, do you want to be the type of person that uses a certain platform that you don't like just because someone told you to do it? And they go, okay, no, right. And then they don't. But then the funny thing is a couple weeks later, once they've taken that pressure off and that expectation off, they go, oh, well, you know, okay, I've been watching a few more reels lately. They're kind of fun. And I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's, you know, it's woo woo and it's out there, but it's what energy you go into it, right? When someone tells you to do something versus you decide to do something of your own, it's a completely different energy that you come into it. And, and that's, that's personal branding. And that's when you find something that you're excited about and you do it of your own free will, that's when you need to go all in, not because somebody told you to, because then it won't feel authentic to your point. Our advice has been general. I want to know, well, in your in your experience your your professional coaching experience here what is the the thing that trips people up what's the there's got to be something that drives you crazy that's like the wrong way that people are going about things so we touched on you know like oh i feel like i have to use reels but i don't want to you know like feeling like i have to use a particular tool or do things a certain way what are what's like the the common common pitfalls here so i would say creating content that's just regurgitating what's already out there. And I just want to say caveat, we are all probably guilty of that and we will probably all do it, but it's, but it's getting out of that. I think that's when the true kind of authentic personal brand happens is when you, I'm going to say graduate from it because it's, we shouldn't shame ourselves for it. But when you stop just regurgitating and doing what everyone else is doing and you start, yeah, speaking in, and it's terrifying because you're saying things that you haven't heard anyone else say before. And you're like, am I the idiot who thinks this or am I the genius? And the, the, the line is very thin there. <laughs> yeah, I think that would might be a matter of perception. And that's what, like you just have to accept that. And what's interesting is like, even if you are be like you are perceived as you know, the worst case, like, oh, you're an idiot. The algorithm loves controversy, right? Of all social networks. So there's even an advantage there. Now, I wouldn't like do this intentionally, but you know, it helps take some of the sting out of it. The worst is content nobody sees. You're like, wow, it's not that they thought I was dumb, it's that nobody cared. <laughs> that's worse. Yeah, that's uh that'll demotivate you real quick. Um, and that's I think that's why people have a lot of 
you know, we all struggle with the algorithms when they change because you're you're sort of wondering, is it the algorithm or is it me? Like, who is it? Who's the problem here? Elon, get it together. Right. Like, my stuff, my tweets are amazing. You just need to tweak the algorithm accordingly. Exactly. Uh, and so, all right, if we've got like the common, some of those common mistakes, what's like the a few of the key things that you have to get right? I think, again, going back to the beginning, your positioning, that ad lib statement is start really refining that and working on it uh, and knowing what you offer, right? Knowing who the people are. So getting that down. And then I really am going to go back to, you know, the brand archetypes, really know what journey people are on, right? Because what is it? Um, people buy based on feelings and then they justify it on logic, Right. So that first thing you're going to pull them in. Yeah. You're going to pull them in with the feeling and the feeling is that subconscious thing of the journey that they're on or the thing that they really resonate on. That's how you hook people in. And then if your product's great, they'll be able to justify it. Yep. That pair of shoes, great reviews, et cetera, et cetera. I'll buy it. But they've already connected and been sold on the, the feeling of the product. Oh, that's fantastic. And you know, that's, as a person versus a brand, it is much easier to convey emotion. And when you start to embrace multimedia, where it's like you said, hey, we want to hear people's voice, but it's not easy to start there. You got to, I think, you know, warm up to it unless you're experienced with it. Like I was not a theater kid. It would have helped if I was. Um, the more you, you put yourself out there is when these scenarios happen. And people are going to remember what you said, but they are going to remember how you made them feel. And so to your point, okay, if you can if they will feel one way and then you are attempting to sell something, all right, that's the emotion is what drives the purchase decision. Exactly. And I honestly would say if you want to start somewhere, go to your website and make sure that that feeling is built throughout there and whether that makes sense for you to do that in your about page to craft that story there. It's also a really good foundation piece for you to have that story that you're always working on in one place. And then it translates into, you know, your different social channels or listen, again, if you're looking at partnerships or, you know, being invited to other podcasts or anything else, these other people, AKA who I was for those 10 years, it's very helpful to understand your mission, know what you stand for, know your values. And to find that I'm always going to look on, on a website, right? and find it there. So that's kind of think of that as your as your home and everything else is just a continuation of it. So building and developing this personal brand, the advantage, the reason we want to put ourselves out there and go through this, we're going to build an audience. We ideally that is going to become a community of like-minded folks. There is tremendous power and confidence that comes with that. It makes, that's the thing that helps you go, oh, I'm an authority on this topic. And from there, if we have that, it's going to lead to new opportunities. Oh my gosh. Like not only do we have an audience, do we have a community, do we have a kind of confidence? We're an authority now. And we have created what I learned in a TED talk is a luck sale where we like, yeah, luck may not be real, but we have done a thing that is going to create and lead to new opportunities for us. And that is like, that's the end goal. That is the real power here. I love that term. That's so cool. Yeah, luck sale. Love it. Luck sale's a good one. Uh, so you have a, you've got a weekly newsletter. I want to subscribe. Where can I get this? I would love for you to join thefridaynewsletter.com. 
And so it's uh, basically this type style of conversation. I sit down every Friday morning. I write it out. This is me signing out right now. I love it. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's just a great space for anybody who's on that journey of building your personal brand and also just on the journey of building an independent life and reclaiming your career and your business. Uh, it's a great place because I know we always need maybe accountability is not the right word, but just to see that other people are also doing scary things and putting themselves out there. Right. It can feel sometimes that it might be easier to just hide under my duvet today than go and record my podcast or go do this other thing I signed up for. Why, why did I do it? And, and just to know that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of us who feel uncomfortable on a daily or weekly basis. And uh, that's, that's, that's our life. That's our magic. And on the other side of it, there's excitement and joy and abundance and really cool people that you get to meet and have these kinds of conversations with. So highly, highly recommend getting on that journey if you're not already on there and join us on the FridayNewsletter.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kurt. This has been amazing. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.